I always thought nude was a mess and I cannot believe she would endorse a pornography magazine under the guise that it is revolutionary. She's always been a cry for attention and publicity, trying to be the token hijab wearing news anchor. She's such a mess. What are Arabs and Muslims across America talking about behind closed doors? Well, they have something to say. I make sure it gets said. I'm Noor Goda, and I believe real talk gets us real solutions. Join me on Between Arabs, where I come to talk taboo with and about Arabs and Muslims in America. Assalamu alaikum, marhaba, and welcome back to Between Arabs. I'm Noor Goda, your voice of candor on the social issues affecting Arabs and Muslims in the West. Pardon the uh, poor quality of my voice. I'm recovering yet again from the flu. It's been a while. I've really missed actually sitting down to record a podcast episode to talk about taboo things going on in our community and uh, sincerely apologize for being away for so long. There's been a lot happening over the last couple of months and particularly the last few weeks. So I'm trying to just get back into the swing of things and I'm really excited that I get to sit here today to talk about an issue that has sort of taken over social media by storm in the Muslim American community. And that is the issue of Noor Tagori deciding to feature in Playboy magazine. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But before I do, I just want to let new listeners know what the setup here is at the Between Arabs Project and kind of who we are, what we're about, why we do what we do here. And so I am the founder and executive director of the project, and I've got a small team of two editors and several resident bloggers, and we also have guest bloggers who will just submit pieces from time to time. Anyone in the Muslim and or Arab community is welcome to submit content for our blog at betweenarabs.com. And if you're interested in coming on to the podcast to talk about a story or a situation that you've gone through that can be considered taboo and that may resonate with other members in our community, then I encourage you to visit us online and click on the join the movement button at the top of the screen. And apply. Let us know what your story is, why you want to come on to the show, and we'll take it from there. So let's chit chat about this entire uh, fiasco that has been taking place over the last couple of days. Um, There are a few disclaimers that I just want to put out into the open before I get started. And the first one is this. I have no interest in discussing my opinions, which I honestly don't have any, about Noor Taguri as an individual. I don't know her, and even if I did, it's not my place as just a fellow human being to criticize her as a person. There is nothing that makes me better than her. There is nothing about who I am that makes me more qualified than her to sit down and critique who she is as an individual. So, um, I just want to put that out there because I know that there's been a lot of criticism online about 
you know, who she is and just nonsense, just a lot of gossipy comments that are honestly unproductive and they work very much counterintuitively to what we should be doing as a community. We should be aspiring to uplift one another and to help each other get better at what we're supposed to be doing. And instead, we have a lot of bickering and a lot of bantering over very irrelevant things. So that's not what this podcast is about. Just want to make that very clear. Okay, so now that we've sort of separated the person from the problem... Here's my opinion about why it's problematic that Noor decided to feature in Playboy. From the perspective of a Muslim American, in a time right now in which everything in our socio-political climate is agitating our identity and targeting those of us who are or who may come across as stereotypically Muslim, It's very important and it's a very delicate situation when we allow different media sources and different platforms to exploit the attention that we are getting, be it negative or rarely positive, in American media. And so it's, to me, there is no question, there is no question whatsoever that this was a stunt on Playboy's part to gain media attention and to gain an audience, given the fact that the company has been experiencing a deficit and has very recently decided to shift its trajectory from being a, you know, the pioneer of pornography and printing nudes to a reputable journalistic source. I don't think that Playboy can truly escape its uh, reputation. This is a reputation that the company has worked tirelessly for 63 years to ingrain and embed in the American psyche. They don't get to turn around one day and decide that because times have changed and the digital age has made sex and nudity such an available and massively pervasive commodity that they can now turn the tables and say, you know what, we're actually not just about pornography, we're about substantive journalism and high-end photography. I'm sorry, Playboy, you do not get to do that. And you definitely don't get to do that on terms that exploit hijabis and the Muslim community. And this is the the problem with, I think, Noor Tagori's decision to feature in the magazine. For those who have been trying to exonerate Noor Tagori from her decision and Playboy uh, from its pornographic roots by mentioning that the company has decided to rebrand itself. Look, you're you're really missing the point here. We're talking about the founder, the founding company of what we see is now the consequence of a misogynistic attitude about women, their bodies, and the way that we go about objectifying them. And it's going to take a very long time for Playboy to rewrite its own narrative, if it can even do that at all. And let's be serious. The optics of placing Playboy's name next to Noor Taguri's name, someone who is a pioneer in her own right in a very different community than the community that Playboy caters to, the optics of that are shocking in and of themselves. And so I think this is where 
we can call this incident nothing more than a stunt because the reality is the political and sexual climate of today is very different from the political and sexual climate of the 1950s when Playboy first came onto the scene. And with our digital age making American sex culture global and making nudity and the objectification and oversexification of women very accessible, very available, and very normal, it's it's tremendously difficult. It's proven to be tremendously difficult for Playboy to battle and to compete with the online porn industry. And so the company has had to make a strategic choice to change its own business model. And clearly that's going to take time. It's going to take time for Playboy to now remove what it has been working so hard over the last 63 years to ingrain in the American psyche. It's going to take a long time for them to remove that from the American psyche. And so it seems like rather than to fight its own uh, reputation for being the pioneer of pornography, it seems a lot easier for Playboy to just capitalize on that reputation and to leverage it in order to create a different sort of shock factor. You know, think of it this way. If, if nudity and the positioning of women in total exposure no longer shocks us. We've become so desensitized to that kind of visual imagery. What will capture our attention? What will captivate audiences and ensure that, you know, draws drop to the floor? Take a look at what's happening in our political uh, landscape right now. We're talking about the most visibly Muslim uh, group, which is hijabi women, women who wear the headscarf. They are the most obvious members of the Muslim community. And so they have had to face a, a very unique and different and challenging sort of backlash given the anti-Islamic and Islamo-racist behaviors in America over the last several years in particular. And so with Nur Tuguri and others rising onto the scene and trying to, quote, rewrite the narrative... We're all on it. We're all paying attention to what they're saying, to what they're doing. Everybody and their mother is concerned with what hijabi women are up to, particularly the young ones. So Playboy was smart to reach out to Noor, to reach out to Amani Al-Khattatbe, the founder of Muslim Girl, to reach out to Linda Sarsour, a Muslim uh, hijabi activist based here in New York. And their attempt to connect themselves and to associate themselves with that group of people at this particular time is a very strategic one. And I think that Nur fell victim to, to their ploy. In addition to that, we've also been hearing from members in our community who've said that uh, Muslim Americans can't seem to make up their minds. On the one hand, we have been crying out for representation in mainstream media and in pop culture. And now that someone like Noor has actually done that and broken ground by featuring in Playboy, we are complaining that this is not what we want. And so we sound very confused and, and just uncertain about what it is that we want. 
And I think this point actually brings up a very important question, which we really should be asking ourselves. We should have been asking ourselves a while back. And that is, does the ends justify the means? Is collaborating with a publication like Playboy, which is known for its provocative content, justifiable simply because it might offer Muslims a space in mainstream media and pop culture? I mean, with with her decision to go on and and to interview and photograph with Playboy, I think the buzz phrase that she and her peers have often used, which is, be unapologetically Muslim, seems to have ironically disappeared in, in this instance. I think that the irony here is we're trying to gain acceptance from the very people who misunderstand us. And in doing so, we're actually starting to compromise our identity. There was a really good article uh, a couple of days ago that was published in Alt Muslima, and the the co-authors argued, and I, I completely agree, that if you take a look at the pictures themselves, can very clearly see that the hijab and the idea of the hijab is being sexified in a way and it's the the idea that we're supposed to walk away with in in seeing nur a very attractive a very uh well uh put together and very polished young woman with a beautiful smile is supposed to send the message that actually being a hijabi is sexy and there's no there's no modesty in that the where is the modesty in that that is not the purpose of the hijab in the first place um, islamically speaking it is a garment that is meant to protect women's sexuality and to protect their beauty not to expose it or to represent it in a different kind of uh, way and I think that that's exactly what happens in these images and in these photographs and so ultimately her decision comes off as a decision that emanated from feeling like she needs to apologize for being who she is despite everything that she says in her article which by the way the information in that interview is nothing new it's recycled information that we've heard from Noor it's beautiful it's it's wonderful it's all about her ambitions and what she wants to accomplish which is great and therefore it just says it sends the message once again that this was really not about the interview there was really nothing substantive or new there there's no news in that interview. It's all stuff we've already heard. It's stuff we know. And the emphasis and the focus is on the images. It's on her just being a part of the magazine in the, in the first place. And so I think this kind of pandering to Western misconceptions of Islam and, and Muslim women is a very dangerous and very slippery slope that we are on. And I think that it's going to just be a matter of time before it comes back to haunt us. And we have to be super, super careful. I think that the most problematic argument that I've heard in the last few days surrounding this event is that Noor's decision to feature in Playboy was a personal choice, and yet it is also a commendable attempt at gaining Muslim representation in American mainstream media. That, that is a very contradictory statement right there. Is she representing herself? Or is she representing the Muslim community at large? There, there's no way that you can make the argument that somebody who has made a decision that is a public decision, Playboy is a public national uh, platform, it's a national publication, 
And so her decision is not a personal one. Everybody's going to see it. Everybody's going to know that a Muslim woman in hijab uh, was featured in Playboy. And even though the interview had nothing provocative about it, there was nothing um, in the Western sense provocative about the images themselves, everything about the optics of putting a hijabi in Playboy sends the message that there is something very jarring about the situation. And so let's let's not kid ourselves in trying to make the argument that this was a personal decision. And this is where I think we hear some very interesting statements from Noor's peers, namely Linda Sarsour and Amani Al-Khattatbe. Shortly after the backlash that took place on social media, they came onto the scene, Amani in her own um, online magazine, Muslim Girl, Linda on Facebook, and they essentially were saying the same thing, which is that they were approached by Playboy to uh, conduct an interview, and they had taken time to think about it and decided ultimately against it. And I believe that Amani actually did go through with the interview, but then um, decided not to follow through to the end. It's really interesting what Linda had to say. She said, I was contacted and I declined the interview because for generations they made billions of dollars off the objectification of women and I couldn't shake that off. As a woman, as a mother, as a Muslim, I couldn't do it. The negative outweighed the benefits for me. At the end of the day, it was my choice. And so once again, I think that we are are trying to convince ourselves that there is an element of not being responsible to a community despite being public figures and leaders of a, a community that is very much under the uh, political microscope right now. All three of these very important public figures, Linda, Amani, and Noor, all three of them, have chosen to take on leadership roles to fight for a cause that right now is probably the most heated, the most provocative, the most uh, inflamed issue of our time. That is not an easy thing to do. And so to that end, yes, I absolutely commend them. I absolutely stand by them. And I think we all need to. What I cannot, what I cannot stand by is the contradictory claim that as public figures, they have a right to make public decisions and categorize them as personal ones. That does not make sense. And the effects of that, the implications of that, go beyond just what they have to face as individuals. The entire Muslim American community will have to answer to the choices that they make in the public sphere. And that is a responsibility of any leader, Muslim or otherwise. That is the responsibility of any leader, of any community. And, you know, this is why leaders go through so much and they're so careful about the choices they make, about the different platforms that they choose to speak on, about the the things that they say during interviews, because they know that their brand, their own self-brand is going to follow them wherever they go. It is going to have implications for whether or not they can continue to do the work that they are doing, and that work is inextricably tied to the community that they are serving. They have a responsibility to that community. And so... It, it isn't an easy thing. 
by any means, it is not an easy thing to be a leader, um, a, a public figure and, and a social justice leader. But, you know, we have to take a step back and we have to take responsibility. We, or I should say these young women and, and others have decided that this is what they want to do. And it's our responsibility as the Muslim community to support them if we believe in their approach, if we believe in what they are doing, and if we believe in what they are saying. And so far, their success says that, yeah, we do. The Muslim community has decided that they want to stand behind Noor. Otherwise, she would not be 22 and have the kind of uh, public platform that she has. She wouldn't see the success that she sees today had it not been for the community uplifting her and saying, we stand behind you. And so there's a responsibility there on her part, and there is also a responsibility on our part as the community that has decided to accept her decision to become a leader and to become uh, someone who is going to give voice to our oppressed voices. And so all the nonsense out there about her and really any, any public figure not speaking on behalf of all Muslims, that's bullshit. And let's stop making that claim because you can't on the one hand take full advantage of standing behind the mic and speaking truth to power when you want to and to say, I'm a Muslim American, I represent these people, this is what I have to say. And then when you're making mistakes to say, actually, I don't, I don't represent all of you. It doesn't work that way. It, it just doesn't work that way. The trade-off for being a leader of a community is precisely that. It is your visibility. You trade in your visibility in order to become the loudest voice in the community and to assist and aid and support and empower those people. But you also can't do that on your own. You need their backing. You need their support. And the Muslim community has given Noor platform after platform after platform to develop her self-brand and to uh, pursue her dream of becoming a journalist and a news anchor. And so she absolutely has a responsibility to the community. And to argue against that is just it's, it's ridiculous. I can't, I can't even begin to wrap my mind around that. All that being said, where does this leave us right now? This ultimately comes back to us as a community and what we decide to do from this point forward. We can't forget for a single moment that as, um, as a Muslim American community, we are equally responsible to Noor and to all of our leaders. If her fame is due to the support that she's received from our community, that means that we've, once again, we've accepted her choice to lead. And so both her decision and the way that we reacted to her decision to come on to Playboy have revealed failure on both sides. We've both done something wrong here. She made a poor decision to go on to a platform that misrepresents who we are as a collective community, and in turn, we've reacted very poorly to her. Instead, what we need to be doing is putting aside the verbal warfare and to support her as a rising Muslim journalist and to stand beside her and not reject her for human error, 
let's exercise integrity and not hypocritically shame someone in our community. It's the ethical thing to do. It's the Muslim thing to do, to forgive and to learn from this experience. And we're responsible for supporting and standing beside our community leaders because honestly, we simply cannot afford to turn our backs on them every time they make a mistake and they will make mistakes. They are not perfect human human beings. She's going to make it. Nude is going to be grand. And she is going to go very, very far. The question for the community is this. Are we going to be the community that stood beside her through the darkest times and through the most challenging times? Or are we going to be the sort of community that abandons her because she made a mistake? And this is the the culture of shame that I talk about ad nauseum on this podcast. This is a very prime example of the way that we go about shaming and expelling members of our community whenever they make mistakes. And this is not productive, and it's very unrealistic to expect that anybody, anybody, even a a leader, she's 22 for heaven's sake, she's got her whole life ahead of her, she's going to do lots of great things, and she's going to continue to make mistakes. Um, We can't expect perfection out of out of anybody and so if we stand beside her and support her in rectifying her unintentionally poor decision then we really might be able to let her shine and by extension we might be able to help our entire community shine so that's it that's all I have to say about this issue I really hope that um, Noor bounces back and that she continues to do the amazing work that she has always done. And let's just continue to talk taboo. Let's get back into the ring. Let's discuss these issues. Let's not take everything uh, to heart and prevent it from the productive work that we can be doing individually and as a community. That's all, you guys. Inshallah, I will be back to talk more about an issue that actually a lot of you have been asking me to talk about, which is interracial and uh, interreligious relationships. What is going on? Is everybody like having the same crisis at the same time? I've gotten a slew of emails and text messages from people saying to me... um, You know, I'm in a relationship with this Muslim guy. I'm not Muslim. What the hell do I do? And vice versa. So we're going to make an effort to talk about that issue in our next podcast episode in a week or two. Tune back in then. Thank you so much for tuning in. Go on to betweenarabs.com. Support us. Share our material. Share our content. And let everybody know about the work that we are doing. Until next time, keep talking taboo. Assalamu alaikum and peace be unto you.